Welcome to the Homeschool Together podcast. Where one working mom and a stay-at-home dad help you navigate the nuts and bolts of the growing and dynamic world of homeschooling. With a focus on early learners. Like me! All the ins and outs of building and maintaining your homeschool life. Homeschool! Find out tips and tricks to make things like this easier. I'm reading! And ultimately, enjoy educating your kids. And what's that last thing? Have fun together! Did I do good, Daddy? (laughs) Yeah, you did, sweetie. Good job. Hello and welcome to Homeschool Together. Thanks for joining us. We have a great interview today, but before we begin, head down in the show notes. We're going to be talking about a lot of different things. All the links are down below. We have our YouTube channel, our social media, um, all of our resource guides and everything is there for you, as well as some little teaser stuff that we'll talk about later. But we had a great interview with Jessica Waldock uh, from Waldock Way, and this is a curriculum Mm -hmm. creator, secular curriculum uh, available for kind of earlier learners. I think it's tracking right with her daughter's age. So she's got a lot of right. curriculum this is, would be, available. This would yeah. be for elementary kids. So. so so if you're out there, if you're kind of like interested in Blossom and Root, Build Your Library, um, Torchlight, this mm-hmm. would be another opportunity, another option for you as well. Right. I think what makes Jessica's curriculum a bit different mm-hmm. than all of those where, you know, Build Your Library kind of has, and Torchlight, Blossom and Root have specific grades or levels. Um, Jessica's curriculum is more, what did she put it? It was like a, it was like a feast. She was going to, she, she gives a plethora of different options to help study each topic of her curriculum. So rather than saying like, oh, this is the third grade curriculum. This is, she's got one that's all about Harry Potter, which we talk about in there. I'm super excited about it, uh, about doing it with our daughter, but basically it's not limited to just a certain grade. She gives you so such a wealth of, of resources mm-hmm. that you could say, I could do this with my first grader, or I could also do this with my fifth grader, or do this with multiple ages together. Mm-hmm. That's one of the problems we always, you know, hear about people saying is how do I use how do I use one of these levels with multiple kids? And, you know, even when we interviewed Emily for Build Your Library, she said, Yeah, you know, I wouldn't probably go more than like maybe three years or two years, depending on what the subject was. And that can be really challenging. You know, that's extra planning on our part. If we want to do, we may have to do multiple levels. If we have kids, our kids are three and a half years apart. So we're going to have this exact problem. We're gonna, yeah, we're, we, yeah. I think it's one of the reasons why we continuously ask this question right. along the way. How are we going to do this? <laughs> <laughs> you may see a kind of a theme is like, how do you handle, uh, you know, multiple children? Because we kind of know that we're going to run into this problem. Well, and a lot of, a lot of homeschoolers do, you know, the number of people that are homeschooling and only is a smaller. And in fact, that's one of the other interesting things about Jessica is that she has an only child. And so she talks quite a bit about that. Again, it's another creator that is also a homeschooler. So they understand what they're doing, what they're, you know, what challenges that you all are facing, they're facing them as well. And I think she was very naked about a lot of the challenges. We talked a little bit about, you know, dealing with struggles and frustrations Mm -hmm. and and, you know she admitted that you know she has the same problems as all of us so it's 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 great to hear that sometimes we think when when we talk to content creators or curriculum creators that they're like they have the magic bullet and they're right they're the people with the secret sauce right (laughs) yeah yeah but like they're they're human just like all of us and i think that kind of strips away a little bit of the you know the fear and anxiety and then the a lot of the the fear within all of us that we're not going to be good enough to be a homeschool parent. I, I think hearing that other people struggle just like we do, I think 
takes a little bit of that imposter syndrome away. We have a great episode on imposter syndrome if you head down into the catalog way back. Um, we talked a lot about that. And I, I think this type of in these type of interviews where we're interviewing people who are creating curriculums that are, you know, high level cr- curriculum creators and they're right. running into the same problems that you and I might fi- you know run into on a daily basis is really I think it's it's humbling to see that, but also it's encouraging to know that you're not failing at this. So. Yeah, well, and that's what she said, right? That everybody worries that they're not doing enough, that, um, you know, you're you're constantly wanting to do the best for your children. And, and it's not always easy. It's not always roses, even for the folks that write mm-hmm. the curriculum, <laughs> which is really interesting. Um, but I think she's got... She's got some really interesting curriculum offerings. Uh, she's only been doing curriculum for about three years, so three years, she's yeah. really she's kind of a, up and coming. She's also got a lot of world. unit studies, so it's, it's you know again digital curriculums that we're big fans about secular digital curriculums um, that you're able to um, test the waters nice and easy and 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 have a good time and 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 see what they're all about and see what their curriculum's all about. It's a great way to kind of test the field. Now, before we get into the interview. There's a little bit. Of, she has a YouTube announcement. A um, YouTube premiere. Premiere. Yeah. We we as uh, YouTube novices have no idea what a premiere is. Well, no. She's gonna be. Yeah. She's, gonna she's gonna be, be there live, yeah. and she's gonna be doing Q and A. So yeah. we're gonna just hint a little bit. But this YouTube premiere is coming out tomorrow. As yeah. you listen to this, if you listen to this on the day it's coming out, yeah. you can see a link in our show yeah, notes. Yeah, it's coming out on Monday. So if you're listening to it on Monday, it's coming out Tuesday. If I know a bunch of you guys download it kind of like through the week. It may have already happened. Go check out her YouTube channel. We'll have the links to it as well. Yep. So um, wanted to nice, give a little plug for that. Yeah. She, she. I think she's coming out with something fun. So I yeah. think a premiere sounds kind of cool yeah, that you're answering answering questions about curriculum and things while yeah. you're showing it. I think it's pretty awesome. Absolutely. So yeah, so. you know, we want to support her. She was lovely to interview. Mm-hmm. She was Very so nice. Uh, nice and gracious to interview with us. And I'm really excited about using her curriculum in our homeschool mm-hmm. and uh, about some of the, some of the opportunities that this kind of is a little bit of a change in mindset to, to give, you know, the ability to do multiple levels mm-hmm, together. Mm-hmm. So, uh, or multiple ages. So I'm really excited about that and uh, really excited to dig into specifically her Harry Potter curriculum, but, um, <laughs> that's just our, our own family's personal thing as we're reading chamber of secrets right now with our daughter and she's mm-hmm. loving it. So yeah. anyways, before, uh, before we talk too much, let's get on with this fantastic interview with Jessica Waldock. Hi, Jessica. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, we are excited to have you. Um, can you just uh, to lay the groundwork and give us some background on yourself, your family, and and what uh, pushed you towards homeschooling? Sure. I am a photographer turned homeschool mom. Uh, not by, well, it was by choice, but I didn't know I was getting myself into it. So Emily is our only child. She is what I like to call our rainbow baby because we weren't sure we were going to have any kids. And then we weren't sure I was going to survive the pregnancy. So when preschool rolled around, I had like this just impending doom of not being ready to let her go. Right. I had been home with her. She was so little still. I just, and I went to my husband and I said, it's just ABCs and one, two, threes we live in the middle of nowhere. You know, it's an hour drive to get her to the preschool just for a few hours. Like, let me just keep her home and teach her. And so he agreed and we did. And it was fabulous. He worked kind of weird hours and we were able to adjust to his schedule. He was able to see her more. Our entire lifestyle just kind of 
meshed into it. We would, you know, we would learn about horses and we would go for a family horseback ride together when he was off on the weekend. It just, it was magical. So kindergarten rolled around and we were kind of like, don't fix what's not broken. And we just kept on and we swore we would reevaluate every single year. And we have yet to do that because we just still love it so much. All of us, like it just, it just was what works. So middle of nowhere, hour to the nearest preschool, does the environment play a lot into how you homeschool, you know, like being outside, being engaged, you know, a lot of people realize, don't realize that everything's trying to kill you in Florida. Um, <laughs> the spiders, the snakes, the crocodile. I think that alligators. might be an exaggeration. Like, you say that, but no joke. There no has joke. been an alligator in my driveway, Thank like you. on numerous <laughs> occasions. My Thank husband you. has fed at hot dogs. <laughs> I don't think the people realize that when they're moving to that state, there's just like, if you get off the coast and everything's trying to kill you. There. I, well, I mean, there are, there are lots of poisonous and dangerous things. It's yeah. true. It's yeah. a, it's a very lovely state, but, but. anyway, I, I digress. Uh, <laughs> so the environment, so like, you know, what is that like? Do you like to go in on hikes? Do you incorporate the nature into your, your homeschooling? Um, how do you do that? Or, or do you not do that? No, we absolutely do that. I okay. love that Florida has so much. And so we do, um, we have state, uh, state park annual passes. We've had those for as long as I can remember. We try to do those as much as possible. We hike, we enjoy it. I will also say, I feel like the weather in Florida dictates because our homeschool has kind of like this seasonal flow to it. Mm-hmm. And it took me a long time to learn to be okay with that because I didn't even realize what was happening. But like right now in the summer, most people are off for the summer. They're not doing anything. We actually get a ton of homeschool done in the summer because it is either way too hot to be outside or it's pouring down raining. Like word, take yes. your pick. Yeah. That mm-hmm. is all summer. So if we <laughs> yes. didn't school, we would be bored. Like we would all be bored to death. So a schooling during the summer means that during the fall and the spring, when weather is a little bit better here, we can be a little more unschooly or, you know, get outside and just be like, Hey, we're just going to sit in the hammock and do nothing but read and enjoy it. And I think that's, what's fantastic about homeschooling is that you could do that, right? We can say, okay, in the summer and the winter, when it's, you know, kind of like weird weather, we're going to be inside, buckle down and, you know, have a blast doing homeschool. When the weather is nicer, we're going to go outside and we're going to hike and we're going to um, explore and go to those state parks and theme parks and whatever when we can, because let's be honest, nobody wants to be at a state park or even Disney World in the dog days of August in Florida. No, no, January is <laughs> when the locals go. And <laughs> that's when we always went. Yeah. Um, but so, so you're talking about like this really great, eclectic, kind of shifted homeschooling. You had a line on your website that I thought was really interesting. And I think it speaks a lot of to like the style of homeschooling that I like you said, we are interested learners with the help, keeping helping of unit study, a dash of unschool and a sprinkle of Charlotte Mason. You know, those are a lot of different styles of teaching and learning. How have you always been interested in like an eclectic homeschooling lifestyle or are, have you begun to, you know, kind of trend in one direction or the other? Well, when we first started, when I was doing preschool, I had no clue what I was doing. So I was winging it. Sure. And then when we decided kindergarten, I'm like, okay, this is for real now. And like, I felt like I had something to prove. And so if I'm being honest, it was as traditional as it could get at first. I had like the little desks and we had all like just everything. We had the posters on the walls. It, it was school at home because I didn't know any different. I, I didn't know any homeschoolers. I hadn't met any. 
Um, everybody I knew that was in like the educational world was in a more traditional setting. Like I have a stepmom who teaches, I have friends who are teachers. So I, that I did what I knew. And then I was like, we're miserable. This isn't at all what I wanted. What in the world happened between like, how were we so happy in preschool and now we're so miserable in kindergarten. And that's when I realized it was because I tried to force it to be something else. I tried to change it mm-hmm. and what we were doing, there wasn't anything wrong with it. I mean, we were learned the letter A and just because it's just who I am and we think themes and it's how it is, we would do the letter A. We would learn about ants. We would go outside with a magnifying glass, you know, and inspect the ants and the ant hill. And then we watched like um, ants, you know, the Disney ants DVD for a family movie night. Like mm-hmm. it, that's just what I was doing naturally in preschool. And then kindergarten, I tried to force it to be something else. So we just backed totally off. And I would say that I have become more and more relaxed as each year goes on because you, you slowly start to realize that with every passing year, what you're doing is working. Um, And I would say, I say eclectic and I say those other words because people in the homeschool world know them, but really we're just life. Like we just live a learning lifestyle. Everything we do in our whole life is just kind of, I mean, we're not unschoolers because we use curriculum. But luckily, I'm the type of mom who can literally write my curriculum for my child. So we're interest-led in that sense. And it's like all of these things weave together to just be everything we do is just learning all day long, every day. So you you started out very, you know, looser and doing kind of more unit studies, moved into something formal, backed off. At what point did you decide, I've got to do my own thing? You know, what, what led you to really create your own curriculum? Uh, for yourself and for other families to use? A five-year-old sassy little child of mine (laughs) (laughs) who walked right up to me with her hands on her hips and said, mom, wouldn't it be fun if we did Jack and Annie school? And I was like, what? She was obsessed. And I don't mean a little obsessed. I mean, like everything we did revolved around the magic tree house. We would get Mm -hmm. in the car and it was the the, um, submarine that they went with the ocean books, or we would, you know, be outside and, you know, she was Jack and I was Annie and everywhere she went, she had her backpack. And I mean, she loved those books. Like it was her passion for them was crazy. She has probably read all of them at least six or seven times at this point. And I looked and everything that I found like on teachers pay teachers was just so it was like just nothing but comprehension questions or it just didn't bring the books to life the way I felt like they could be brought to life because they have so much wonderful information built into them. And I felt like if you springboarded off of them, you could do so much. And that's what I started doing just for us, just, you know, for her. And, you know, as I would post on my personal Instagram or my personal Facebook at the time, people would ask me like, Hey, where did you get that? Or what are you using? And it was just, you know, me making stuff for us. And so I thought, well, I'll, you know, I'll make it in a format that other people can use it. And that was the first thing. And really the only thing at the time that I thought I would make was Passport to Adventures, which is the um, Magic Treehouse curriculum. And then it just kept going. You know, she wanted to do Harry Potter, but she was only in second grade. And a lot of the Harry Potter stuff is more, you know, for older kids are more advanced. Mm-hmm. And I thought, okay, well, I'll make something for her. And essentially everything that I have made has been because she's wanted to do it or she's shown an interest in it. And because she's a quirky kid and she 
doesn't enjoy writing. Like she really doesn't enjoy writing. So some of those notebooks that have, you know, like all these lines and these big paragraph answers being required just would immediately instill her to bust down in, in tears. And I didn't want that. I wanted something that we could learn that we could, you know, have proof that we were learning for portfolio. Cause we have to have that in Florida, but that she would still enjoy doing and not, you know, look at it and, and hate it. And I was like piecemealing all of these things together. And finally I was like, I can just do this myself. So you, you're talking a, a bit about the requirements in your state. How did you, how'd you kind of fold that into the curriculum? You know, every, it's so hard, right? Because every state has different requirements and some places you need learning plans and others you don't. And some are totally hands-off and some, our state must teach 11 required subjects a year. How do you balance that when creating a curriculum for other folks and not knowing, you know, where they're going to be coming from and what their requirements are going to be? It is very I think it's very hard to do that with any curriculum or even as the parent trying to keep up with all of it. Mm-hmm. So I think at the end of the day, I just try to create something that I know will work for us that I know that um, my daughter will absolutely love. And that way families like ours who have kids like mine can use it and will love it too. Um, and then if, you know, people reach out, cause I've had a few in New York where they have to have like those um, crazy pre form behind, you know, forms that they have to do ahead of time. So I've had some of them reach out. Luckily we have a Facebook community group. So a lot of the moms will say, Oh, this is how I did it for our state requirements, or this is how I did it for our state requirements. And so they can kind of um, help guide each other through it since it would be impossible for you to make something specific for every state and every requirements, because there's 50 different ones and they're always changing. That, that's a great point. You know, there's, we, we have so many different regimes around the area and it is hard to, to lock that down, you know, with respect to the content you choose um, into your curriculum, the resources, the books, you know, whatever you end up choosing, how do you, how do you make choices? You know, we have, we have the, the federal standards, we have state standards. How do you make those choices on, and how do you curate the content that kind of goes into your curriculums? Well, first I do a ton of reading and researching. <laughs> <laughs> and, and honestly, I think it really boils down to while there's a lot of all these different standards, I am a firm believer in interest led learning. And so I think if it interests a child, if it, if it interests me as an adult, as far as like the book, if I pick up a picture book and I'm engrossed in it and I'm, you know, and I love it and it's appropriate, then more than likely a child is going to be too. And so that's where I try to, I try to do, do things like, pulling in these, these beautiful, rich content and books and, you know, previewing YouTube videos because you have kids that learn on all different, Mm -hmm. um, you know, your visual learners and your kinesthetic learners and your hands-on learners. And so I try to make sure that there's something for all of them in it, in all of the curriculums, make sure there's something for each of them to do. Um, but as far as like the standards and following them, if I'm being completely honest, I don't, I just, I don't, I think, in terms of this is homeschool and we get to do it our way and we get to pick what we want our kids to learn. And so here is a feast laid before you and here's a feast of books and a feast of videos and games, et cetera. And you as the parent can pick and choose what you think is most appropriate for your kid. But I don't think we as homeschoolers have to kind of follow those state or federal or, you know, that's the glory of it is the freedom of not having to do everything that, you know, the public school or the traditional school system has to do. A lot of times the standards and the concerns around, oh, am I teaching enough? Or am I doing this? 
the fact that, you know, we're homeschoolers and we're involved and we have parents that are involved, it's, it's almost like you get, you get the base standard level by the fact of your involvement and your interest and you're trying to help your student, you know, or your learner learn. I think we, we achieve those standards very easily without having to overthink it. Now, it is always nice to, you know, know, okay, I hit this standard. Oh, I'm ready for this grade level. But I agree, you know, as, as long as we're involved and we're helping our learner through, you know, whatever curriculum that we've chosen, you almost get it by default in a lot of, in a lot of respects. You do. And that's like, for instance, I've done um, some like fun hands-on centers with Emily from Teachers Pay Teachers, like holiday themed. Mm -hmm. And they always have the center, right? Where you sort the stuff out or you do whatever, you know, it tells you to do. And then a lot of them have a, um, like a tracking or an answer sheet where you have to write it down. And one day Emily was like, why don't you print those too? And I said, well, you don't need them when you're a teacher and you have 30 kids doing the center, you need it but it's just me and you, like, I could just look over your shoulder and say, Oh yeah, you got that one wrong. Let's look at it together. You know, Mm -hmm. like it's just Mm -hmm. different. And I think that's comes back to the parent being involved. Like that's the, the glory and the wonderful part about homeschooling is that we're there, we're in it with them. You know, we don't have to, to follow those state standards. And I mean, let's be honest. What I remember from my traditional school years is the things that I was interested in, the things I wasn't interested in, I have no recollection of at all. (laughs) (laughs) I agree. That's, that's very true. Uh, Speaking of interest, my, we, we took a look at the different curriculum uh, options that you had. And and my daughter, who's currently listening to Harry Potter in the other room was super excited to see that you had the the Harry Potter uh, year long study. So that's on our list to do. And I was noticing as I was looking through things that there's, there's not a specific age called out or a specific grade level that it's kind of meant to be a multi-age. How do you, how do you write something for, uh, you know, a, a total, a wide, potentially very wide group of ages and, and what do you recommend? Is it like, this is appropriate for all of elementary or elementary and middle, or, you know, what do you do with the multi-age ranges, uh, for your curriculum? Well, a lot of them have um, the things that would be scaffolded, like for instance, writing. So there's tracing, print, and cursive to to give you the ability to you know to pick which one is best fitted for your child. Mm-hmm. Um, and most of, with the exception of Harry Potter, obviously, because as a parent, you know when they're ready for that content mm-hmm. in the book. But other than that, I would say most everything is like a pre-K to sixth grade. Um, everything was targeted right down the middle with a few things for the younger kids, like coloring sheets and tracing pages, and then a few things for the older kids, like reports. Um, and I think most of that just comes off the fact that we like to do things as a family and I wanted other people to be able to do that too. Right. Like I don't want to have to, I don't want other families to have to be teaching, um, six different things if they have six kids and splitting their time. Um, I want them to be able to all dive in together and enjoy it. And so I try to make sure that there's things that can be easily extended or easily, um, you know, for lack of better word, dumbed down a little bit, you know, like, like for instance, in the traveling, the parks curriculum, there are just open boxes. So you could have a child who draws pictures or you could have a child who writes, you know, longer sentences or paragraphs, and you can, you know, have your kids all sitting around the table doing that together. Your preschooler is drawing a picture, you know, your second grader is writing a sentence and maybe your fourth grader is writing a full, you know, five sentence paragraph. So Mm -hmm. it kind of is 
gives you the ability to do it as a family. You as a mom can just sit there and enjoy it as each of your kids is kind of doing what fits, you know, their level best. I like that sentiment too. You know, one of the things, um, it almost feels like a, a single room schoolhouse. Like it's an inspiration, you know, level right. up where you can. Well, and I like that too, because, uh, kids are at such different levels. I mean, we know that, uh, you know, math and reading are the ones that we kind of always think of as, as the, the reasons why those two aren't specifically included in a lot of these, uh, more, uh, I don't know what the right word, what, what, what we call these kind of all in one type curriculums, but math and reading are always separate because we know kids are at different levels, but I think that it's very interesting that your curriculum also acknowledges that kids are at different levels with all sorts of things, not just math and reading. <laughs> They're at different levels with their comprehension, with art, with, and so by doing this, you're able to really, really tailor it to where your kid's at for each of the disciplines, not just Oh, math or reading, right? I, I find that sometimes we're doing a curriculum and I'm reading books to her. And it's like, well, yeah, she's on this level for the activities in this curriculum, but maybe she's not on the level for the comprehension required for some of these mm -hmm. books, for example. Uh, so I like I like the ability to 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 dial it into exactly what your learner can do in the different areas. I think that's really smart. Well, and the other thing that I think is really fun is like for instance, for with like traveling the States, there are picture book suggestions and then there's a chapter book suggestion. And I try to do that with everything. So like you said, if you have like, let's just pretend you have a really wide age of, you know, wide range of ages, you could have, you could either read the chapter book around loud to everybody, or you could have your oldest read the chapter book independently while you read the picture books to the younger kids. Like, like you said, it kind of gives you the ability to have that one room schoolhouse, but it also is putting mom in charge. And that's the other thing is while I have suggested schedules and lesson plans and, you know, this feast that I talk about, there's not a strict, um, syllabus to follow. Like mm -hmm. I don't ever put, I mean, there'll be like on day one, here's some things for you to do on day two, here's some things for you to do, but it's not a it's not a strict schedule because I have been that mom who as a recovering type a mom has to check the boxes. And so if I didn't mm -hmm. check the box, it would cause me such anxiety and such stress <laughs> that I'm like, this is not fun anymore. So my check boxes will be something more similar to like do an activity. And then here's a list of six activities you can choose from. Maybe your child loves, you know, cooking. Here's a recipe you can cook. Maybe your child likes crafting. Here's a craft you can do. You don't have to do them all. Pick one activity that you and your child will enjoy. And then you can check the activity box off. You know, it's not like this. You have to do this on this day. You have to do this on this day. And then before you know it, you want to throw it in the garbage because your curriculum has now become the master. And that is what I wanted to avoid doing. I had a quick question regarding, you know, we talked, I think a little bit before we started about how people are starting to prep for this coming year. Would, you know, we say you have a kindergartner, a kindergartner, you're going to homeschool this year and they're interested in your curriculum. Is there a, a specific catalog item that you would recommend to them? And like, what would that item look like from a day-to-day -day standpoint? In my opinion, kindergarten and first grade, hands down is passport to adventure. And that may be because that's what we did at that ages. And it holds such a dearer place in my heart because of the, you know, the times that we had. Um, so Passport to Adventures, again, is based on the Magic Treehouse book. So let's say a week would be one Magic Treehouse book. And the first Magic Treehouse book is dinosaurs or dinosaur based. It's 
themed into dinosaurs. So that means you're going to spend the whole week learning about dinosaurs. You read, essentially, you would read two chapters of the Magic Treehouse book every day. And then there's a list of nonfiction um, selections for you to choose from. So you would read from a nonfiction selection each day. That could be one picture book a day. If that's where your child is at, that could be a few chapters out of a chapter book, you know, whichever one of those selections you wanted to do. And then on each day, you're going to do something else. You're going to do a hands-on activity, or you're going to watch the YouTube playlist that's been curated for you, or you're going to do a student notebook page that will either be, you know, tracing or coloring or print or cursive. You'll, you'll pick that level based off of where your child's at. And and then you have a family movie night at the end. So there's all of these things. There's field trip suggestions. So it really is living a lifestyle learning. It's just kind of doing all of these things revolving around this book and this topic and doing them as much together as you can. You're just enjoying it all. And there's also sensory bin suggestions. So if you have like a really, really young kid tagging along, they can do that, you know, while you're reading some of the books to the older kids. So they don't feel left out. That's awesome. I, and as somebody who has a two-year-old in tow with everything I do, I totally, I'm sympathetic to that. Yeah. Nobody ever considers the two-year-old. It's just, you know, we've always just got to keep her busy. I think that's really, it's really smart. You know, so many folks are, are always asking, well, how do I do everything with, with all, with all my kids, you know, so Mm -hmm. we end up combining different curriculums or doing, you know, two or three things at once. And I like the idea of everybody just getting to, to live in this one space together, but at their own levels. Mm-hmm. That's Absolutely. really great. Absolutely. Do you, do you support um, uh, reading and math as well? Or if not, do you have a recommendation even from your own homeschooling experience? I don't, I don't have a recommendation either. <laughs> <laughs> How have you, how have you attacked that then in your, in home, in your homeschooling space then? So Emily is, um, I'm going to just say the word quirky. We've never had her tested, but she's, she's very, very linguistic. She's asynchrony when it comes to um, linguistic. She taught herself how to read if we're being honest. I mean, I did, um, hooked on phonics with her for a little bit. I did a lot of like the Bob books and, Mm -hmm. um, Usborne has a really awesome read together. I would honestly Mm -hmm. say the best thing I did to teach her to read was to read aloud. Like that is my number one, just read, just read to your kids all day, every day, just read audiobooks totally count too. Um, but she pretty much taught herself how to read and math. Well, she is amazing when it comes to language and math has kind of always been that one thing that we're not the best with here lately. Teaching textbooks has been really, really wonderful uh, but that doesn't start until their math three is where it starts. So that's kind of around like the second to third grade. Okay. Before that, I would say the best thing that we did was just game schooling. Just, we just played games. I mean, mm. all the time. Um, she so learned close her, to our, close to our heart. We're big game schoolers. <laughs> I mean, literally she learned her math facts playing Yahtzee. Like that's how she learned her math facts. <laughs> She's, she's going to be a shark at the casinos, which is, I mean, I sat with my grandmother <laughs> and played so many games of five column Yahtzee. I can't even, <laughs> I mean, it was a, I think that's really great. I think it's interesting too, that, you know, you don't have to have expensive games to no. get good value out of it. You totally don't like, and that's one of the things I actually, um, 
and tell people all the time when they, I mean, don't get me wrong. I love my stuff. I mean, we have probably over 500 games and I love every one of them and I don't want to part with any of them. We're going to have to talk later. We're going to have to talk about <laughs> games I, I love games, but when people like message me or they ask like, well, what if I don't have any? I'm like, seriously, if you go to the dollar, dollar tree, dollar store, dollar, dollar, whatever it is in your area and you get a deck of cards and a pack of dice, like you can game school all day long with it. I mean, we, yeah. We've been doing pool school, like school in the, in the pool. And they have a floating table that I bought that was, was like super cool on Amazon. It's amazing. <laughs> but it came with a deck of waterproof cards <laughs> and Emily has been struggling with her multiplication facts. And so I just randomly, I'm sure it's like an actual game, but we were in the pool and I just randomly was like, Hey, you love war. We'll play multiplication war, flip two cards over multiply them whoever has the highest product wins and we did like six rounds of that there is no way she would have ever done that many math problems with pen and paper like ever ever yes it's amazing what we can get you know our kids to do and not realize that they're learning I, i i liken game schooling almost to like hiding the vegetables in the smoothie Mm-hmm. Right, it's delicious. They don't know that there's kale in there. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think games are similar. You know, you're having so much fun that you're not. They're not directly relating it to like I'm doing a bunch of math problems by playing this game. Yeah, and and she's got the trademark now in pool schooling. So I, it's, it's, I'm it. telling you, I can hook you up. Like we did a whole day. I'm like, I did a poll on my Instagram. Like, do you guys think I can do it? You think I can do? <laughs> all of the subjects and never leave the pool. And they're like, if anybody can, it's you. (laughs) And we totally did. Like there's this like spell and dive set and you dive down and you get the letters and you spell words. Like we did it all. It was awesome. Wow. That's the Florida life we're here. It is not raining. Well, when it's not raining though, because like we have a hurricane coming through next week. So we won't be, (laughs) we won't be in the pool. Um, (laughs) Um, So you talked a little bit about your daughter, um, only child. Um, homeschooling in the wilderness, as you described, um, you know, how do you get enrichment and the classic, you know, boogeyman, the, the socialization, you know, what is it like homeschooling uh, an only child? You know, what is that like? And, and are there any misconceptions that people might have about that? Well, I just wrote a blog post about the myths of homeschooling and only. So this may be a get on your high horse kind of moment. I'll try to refrain. No, we'll make sure that high so wait, horse. Let me get the we'll, we'll, no, we'll, out. Hang on. We'll make sure the high horse is linked in the show notes below. So. <laughs> yeah, I, I read that blog post. It was very she good. <laughs> so I think the the number one misconception, like hands down, is that it's easier. And I'm not one to sit here and say that, no, no, it's easier to homeschool multiple because I've never homeschooled multiple. I don't know. But I definitely know that it's not necessarily easy to homeschool one either. It's just, it's just different. It's a different dynamic. I mean, you were just, we were just talking about games and games are fantastic for hiding, you know, think, you know, hiding those sneaky learning, but I never have the opportunity ever of saying like, Hey, go play a game with your brother or sister. Like if we're going to play a game, I have to play. If she wants to play Barbies, I have to play. If she wants, it's it's me. I'm her playmate. I'm her teacher. I'm her mom. I'm her sibling. I'm her classmate. I'm her playmate. I'm her friend. I'm her everything. And I love it and wouldn't trade it for the world. But it's definitely not easier. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then I would say the other biggest misconception is socialization. I mean, yes, obviously, especially this past year, it's been a little more tricky, I would say. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, than any other year, but that's been the case for everybody, not just yeah. 
not just, you know, <laughs> right. all the way around. Head. Yeah. That's yeah. not just the onlys. And so, I mean, you, you just, you get creative, you know, in normal times you have co-ops and you have um, wild and free groups, or you have, I mean, field trips and homeschool days and in everything. But I think what, what always makes me like, remember when I'm having those moments of guilt, because let's be honest, we all have them is my entire, I don't know, 12 plus years of traditional school career. I was told on a daily basis that I was not there to socialize and that I needed to like, basically sit down and be quiet. <laughs> Sorry. I'm, I'm totally, I was totally told that. So if we don't go to school to socialize, then I don't understand. I don't even understand the socialization dilemma in the first place. I think as long as you don't live in a cave or under a rock, you're good. Like if you take your kid to the post office, if you go to the grocery store, I mean, all of that is socializing. You're, you're out and about, you're talking, you're, you're doing all of the things. And I don't know. I mean, you guys talked to her for a few minutes before we started, but my child is anything but antisocial. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Especially to get on the phone with uh, some strangers and say, Hey, how's it going? Yeah. Like, Hey, how are you today? <laughs> right. Well, I think it's, I think that that, that myth is something, you know, I always ask people like, you know, especially when we say, Oh, we're homeschooling and they go, you know, and, and you think like, well, okay. Have you ever actually met a homeschooler in the wild? And they're like, uh, no. And the, it's like, no, no, the answer is yes. Yes. You have. You just, you just didn't it. even know it. Yeah. You didn't know that that, you know, that polite child that held the door for you, that was a homeschooler. You didn't know that, but you just immediately assume mm-hmm. that homeschooling means that we are going to lock our kids down and they're going to be socially awkward <laughs> and they're going to have, you know, stunted adult lives. And I, I think that that's just, if there's any good one going to be socially awkward here, it's going to be me. <laughs> right. <laughs> you, you talked a little bit about the wild and free. Um, do you do a lot of that? Can you tell people what that, what that is and, and what it's like? Oh, sure. So actually there wasn't one in my area. And we did want a little bit more social, it really wasn't even the socialization, but I wanted to make some more like lifelong connection type of friendships for Emily, something that we would meet and see the same people over and over Mm -hmm. and living in the middle of the forest in the woods. There's not a lot of opportunity for co-ops or, I mean, we can do field trips, but again, they're an hour plus drive away. So I actually started a wild and free group here locally, because what else are you going to do in the forest? And that is essentially just a group that meets however often for us, it was every other week. Um, and you do something in, in the wild, in the, in the woods, in the forest, in nature. Um, sometimes you could have something like we dissected owl pellets one time that was more of like a lesson. And then other times we just go for a walk or a hike. We walk some of the trails we explore. It's just a very, very laid back way of doing nature study in a group with, you know, moms and, and homeschool kids together. Sounds similar. We have uh, we have something here called hike a baby. And that's, um, that's, you know, usually uh, moms with younger or dads with younger kids, uh, yeah. but it's kind of something similar where everybody gets out on a hike. And, you know, a lot of times they try to incorporate some learning and that's just a really fun way to get outside with your kids and, mm-hmm. And, you know, know that you're getting together with other families, you know, you're not meeting somebody randomly at the trail. It was, it was a setup. Uh, and oftentimes we would end and go to the playground or something. The kids would get to play. And I think that kind of stuff is really valuable. Those, those kind of relationships. As a, you know, 
maybe to pivot towards a little bit more on that education being, you know, trying to find those people and whatnot. One of the biggest um, issues that I've had that I've kind of overcome in the last couple of years as being a stay-at-home dad, homeschooling dad, is understanding, you know, how to teach your children, how to get them out there. You know, I, I, I can tend to be a little bit more introverted when I'm, you know, when I'm out in the wild, but then I kind of open up afterwards. As a creator, as a, you know, a curriculum creator, how, how can you talk to the issue of becoming a teacher, becoming an educator for your children? You know, what are the challenges that people might be facing going into that first or, you know, that preschool year of homeschooling? What are those things that they need to, you know, overcome or, you know, tell yourself, stop worrying about it. You'll be just fine. You know, what are those type of challenges that maybe you faced and then what you're seeing with other parents as well? Well, first I have to say that my husband has a stay-at-home dad too. And I think it's awesome. I think it's amazing that you guys are stepping up and teaching your kids. So props for me, to you for that. Yeah. Unicorns. Unicorns. Exactly. He really is. He is my unicorn. Um, and I think probably the like number one biggest thing, the thing that I hear over and over and over when it comes to either new homeschoolers or sometimes even veteran homeschoolers is that feeling like they're not doing enough. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing I've been doing this for five years. I've been in the, the public doing it for over three now. You know what I've learned in all of, all of these years, nobody, nobody feels like they're doing enough. Not the veterans, not the newbies, <laughs> not the ones who've graduated their kids, not even the ones who have had the best homeschool year that they ever had are going to come off of that homeschool year and say, we did enough this year. We did everything we set out to do. (laughs) Nobody's ever going to say that it would be no different than, I mean, nobody at the end of, you know, their life is like, I did everything I ever wanted. You you just, you can't, there's only so many hours in the day. Mm -hmm. There's only so much. And so I think we really like, here's my piece of advice is you have to just choose what is important to you. Like, what is the thing that. 20 years from now, you know, when your, your kids are sitting around the table or they're telling stories around the bonfire, you know, to their kids or to their spouses (laughs) about your homeschool years, like, what is it that you want them to say? Do you want them to say like, man, we did every math problem in our textbook every year. If that's what you want them to say, then that's what you focus on, you know, or do you want them to say like, we played games all day, every day. If that's what you want them to say, then that's what you focus on. Like, I think that's the problem is sometimes we get so weighed down with the, the right now, the muck of, and the mud of what we're in versus looking forward to the future and looking back at that time frame and thinking, okay, what is it that I really want from this time that we're in? What do I want them to, to look back on? What do I want their memories to be? And then that's what we do. And I think sometimes that's where having a homeschool vision can kind of help. Although we didn't have a homeschool vision for like the first two and a half years we homeschooled. So I'm not saying that's a necessity, but it can be helpful because you can look back to it when you're buying curriculum or when you're in those moments of doubt, or when you're like, oh my gosh, I don't know what to do, or you're overwhelmed. And just kind of having that way of saying, what is it that I really want? from homeschooling? Like, why am I even doing this? What, you know, what do I want my kids to get out of this? What is that question for you? You know, what What are you hoping? Yeah. What is, (laughs) what is your hope for your daughter? So our, after a long time of doing it, our kind of homeschool vision is that we want um, to create a lifelong learner 
And we want to do that while still prioritizing relationships and connections. Mm -hmm. So for us, that means that I want her to love to learn. I don't necessarily care that she knows everything. I just want her to love to learn and want to keep learning. And, and I want to do that while making sure our relationships come first. So that day when we were sitting there bawling our eyes out and screaming at each other over the math, normally I try to flash back to that vision and say, okay, this is not prioritizing our relationship. <laughs> we're going to turn this off or shut this book and walk away. Mm-hmm. Um, because especially when you're homeschooling and only, it, I'm, not, I'm not saying it's not the same for multiples, but when you're homeschooling and only, it, it's just me and her. I mean, you are staring each other down and there's nobody to break up that silence or to, you know, not another kid to like make a joke and distract it. And it can really affect your relationship if you're not kind of more proactive in the moment to say, okay, this is not being helpful. This is something we just need to walk away from. Yeah, that's a great point. I had a walk away moment two days ago where, you know, we started doing homeschooling and it just was not working. I'm like, I, I don't want to fight. I don't want to fight this early, you know, in the process yeah, of today. And, you know, the funny thing is you say, you, you know, doing an only child, you know, I have two, but I try to homeschool a lot of the harder stuff while the younger one's napping and I take advantage of that time. And so it does feel like I have, when I'm actually doing, you know, what I would call homeschooling, um, the math and reading and some of the other enrichment stuff, it, it does feel like I have one kid and being able to focus and, and feel like you're right there in that moment. Um, how do you overcome those challenging moments? I had one, you know, as I said, two days ago where I just had to stop. We just had to stop for the day because it was, it was, it was just not going to work for that day. How do you get through those kind of sticky days while also maintaining that connection? Sometimes I feel like I feel more like a teacher and I feel like this dude that, that is correcting her all the time. And I, and I sometimes forget that I'm also a dad and we got to have fun. How do you manage those sticky situations with your daughter? That is a good point. And that we're going to flash back to the misconceptions for a second, because that Mm -hmm. is another misconception about homeschooling and only is that you only have an only, if you are only homeschooling one, you are still a homeschooler of an only. So I just want to say that for all the people who are like, oh yeah, I'm in that same situation. It's this, it's the same dynamic when it's just you and one child. Um, the first thing that I try to do when those days come, like when it's, when it's been, you know, a a good 10 or 15 minutes that it feels like we're just butting heads is I like take a deep breath. I'm like, okay, is there a reason why we're butting heads? Did I not get enough sleep? Did she not get enough sleep or one of us hungry? You know, all of the normal stuff. Like, is there a problem that I can fix right now? And if there's not, then I try to, you know, just ask, are you not understanding this because of the way I'm explaining it? you know, do I need to ask daddy to explain this to you? Do we need to put this away and come back to it later? And I just try to communicate with her, especially now that she's a little bit older. Um, she's going to be nine next month and ask like, is this something we can fix? Or is this just one of those days? Cause I mean, we're all entitled to those. We're all entitled mm-hmm. to like, I just don't have it in me to do this days. Yeah. And then I have a few tricks. Sometimes we will read aloud because reading is something that we all enjoy play a game. Uh, because it's something, you know, you really can't play a game and not kind of come out of it. So those are some things that I will try to revert to. Like, let's say the lesson that we're being frustrated with is on fractions. I'll say, okay, you know what, let's just put that away and I'll grab a fractions game off the shelf. And we'll just try that instead. If she can do the same concepts that we were trying to do on, you know, the lesson, 
in the game, then it's, you know, something else. And then there's other times like yesterday when I just have to leave. I just literally have to walk away. Like yesterday I went outside and then we did no school, like nothing. By the end of the day, I was eating cookie dough and reading a book and she just had a free for all because we all have those days. And yesterday it was me. I was the problem. No, it's nice to hear that even the curriculum creators sometimes <laughs> have the problem, right? Because, well, because I think that everyone has this vision of like, if I'm having, yeah, if I, if I have days like that, where we just have to throw in the towel, mm-hmm. then, you know, it, it, it must be me or maybe homeschooling is not right for us. And it really just, it can, it can happen to everybody, especially when you're in such close quarters and you work so, so closely with someone yeah. that, um, you know, we don't have that, we don't have that buffer, right? If you send your kids to school and they work with one teacher or several teachers all day, it's not like they're working one-on-one, even with that teacher, it's them and 29 other kids mm-hmm. and that one teacher. So I think that we all have to give each other a little bit of grace when we're just so close together. And sometimes just say, you know, today's not, today's not the day. And that's what you did yesterday. Yeah, Matt. I did, yeah. You're like, I, you know, today's not the day we're just going to sit here and read and she's going to do some Lego and we're all going to be happy. Well, and, and the following day was great. And today was great. And right. Know, we, yeah. We accomplished you, everything. You said, it. well, we're going to have to catch up tomorrow. And she said, okay, daddy. And she was fine with it. And yeah. I think that that's sometimes we have to just let ourselves breathe a little <laughs> bit. Cause if we push it's worse. Exactly. Um, you know, so, so your daughter's nine, she's halfway to college. I'm sorry to say that. Oh my gosh. I did not hear you just say that. I did. Oh, I did. Oh. And your daughter is obviously the visionary of your, all your curriculum creation. You know, what is on the horizon for Waldock way? What is your daughter going to drive you into creating and what can people look forward to seeing? <laughs> my, okay. First, my husband's in the background and he just said, we're first, we're going to figure out a way to homeschool college. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? What are you talking about? I had I had the lotto pay for my college at Tallahassee in Florida State. That's right. We we're both bright futures kids. Bright futures kids. Oh man! But you just broke my heart. No, she is not halfway there. Well, I, oh. I told I told. I, listen, Ariel, our daughter's a third of the way to college. Hey, you can just shut the heck up right now. <laughs> See, and you, but you know what's actually even sadder than that is they're probably even further because most homeschoolers yeah. start before they're eighteen. They do the dual enrollment, so it's like, yeah. oh right. man, we're actually even closer than that. <laughs> I know, but you know, one of the things that I, I feel like, I feel like she, the time she, goes, she can go to UF right up the road. She can stay at home while she goes to college. That's, that's true. even better. There you go. Well, she'd have to be a gator. We're not going to talk about that. That's okay. <laughs> college is done. You know, the thing I think that's nice though, is that as fast as the time goes by homeschooling, I feel like we're, we're living in it so much more, you know, so I, I, we have some other families on the street and when, with the pandemic, you know, they would, the kids would get on the bus in the morning at like seven ten, and then they'd be home just before three or just after mm-hmm. three, they would do some homework. They'd be outside playing with the other neighborhood kids. And it was like dinner in bed. And I remember talking to, to one of the moms when the pandemic hit and everyone had to come home. And she was like, I just didn't realize how much we were running around, how little time we actually spent with each other until we, we then had to be together. She's like, we feel like we have so much more time now. And yeah. our kids are only going to be kids so long. And, and selfishly, one of the reasons, one of the big reasons I love homeschooling is that yeah. we get more of our kids. Yeah. We get more time. That's one of my favorite, like, that's literally probably one of my top reasons for homeschooling is that we, I get not just that time, but I also get all of the 
the good moments, which is kind of makes the bad ones worth it. But like all of those aha moments, I mean, the first time she read the first time she, you know, realized that she remembered a math fact or um, like all those light bulb moments. I mean, all of them, like, I can't even imagine giving up the time that I get and giving up those moments. Like Mm -hmm. they're everything. Yeah. Selfishly. I I don't want to miss those. You know, so there's a lot. She, she's got a lot of time. She's got up. a lot of time. So, so what's on, what's on to, that? Yes, yeah, what's, what's on, on the horizon? horizon? Yeah, we're we're curious. Oh, let's see. I will give you guys insider information Ooh. that we are currently working on making more smaller unit studies that are topical based. So we have some of the bigger ones that are kind of a whole year, like the passports and the Waldock wizards and wands. And sometimes you don't necessarily, at least us, you know, you don't always want to spend a whole year doing one thing. You want to do some smaller things. So we are in the process of doing smaller unit studies that would, you know, be more topical, like I'll just throw a few out there, um, space or maybe, you know, human body, you know, things like that that would allow you to, um, spend like three to six weeks doing that unit study, or maybe even a little bit longer if you wanted and staying on that topic. Um, there's some things like that out there on the market, but there's not a lot out there for the secular world. And that's kind of where we're aiming these at as a topical unit study that you could do with your you know, whole family for your space loving kids or your, you know, kids that really want to learn more about the human body or other topics to come, <laughs> whatever Emily's <laughs> interested in, I'm sure. Um, but that way they could do it and it could be secular because there's just not a lot of that out there right now. No, yeah. It's so hard to find secular resources, by, which was why we were excited to hear about your curriculum. So hypothetically, you come out with a space unit study, not saying that you're going to no, you know, but if you did, um, <laughs> how do you envision people using that? Do you expect them to just focus on that for six weeks? And then they pick up another unit study, or is this something that you you intend to bolt on top of what they're already doing? Well, so we tend to do like language arts and math or staples, and then everything else is interest led. That's how we homeschool. So what I envision would be that, um, let's say you have your language arts and your math, and then you would do this unit study. You would spend six weeks um, just totally focused on space. And the way that our unit study is going to work, like our survival unit study is already out and it has some of it built in, is it's kind of like everything else built into it, right? So you're getting reading in there, which is part of language arts. You're getting some writing in there. um, You're getting some geography work in there. You're getting space or you're getting survival in that one. And then there's also always a biography built in to all of our unit studies. So you're getting some of that history too. Like for instance, if we did space, there would be like some history of space and, you know, like first people who did things in space. So you would be kind of getting all of the, the rest of the science geography and history in a unit study. So you would do like a language arts and a math and then a topical unit study. That's what Hmm. I envision. That's what our, you know, we'll be doing in our homeschool. Awesome. Wow. That sounds great. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. That wizards and wands. I mean, I, you know, my daughter was, she's only, we're only like halfway through chamber of secrets right now. So she's got a ways to go before she's ready for it. But, uh, she was like, mom, let's do that right now. I'll drop everything else I'm doing. (laughs) Well, you know what we actually do because Emily was so young. And as the book started getting a little bit older, she was kind of like, 
mm, she was ready to slow down a little bit. So what mm-hmm. we started doing instead of doing it as a full year is Waddock Wizards and Wands is essentially kind of what I'm talking about. So each of the classes of Harry Potter is built like astronomy, alchemy. They're like, you know, four to six weeks worth. So we started pulling one book in one of those units each year. And that's how we kick our year off. So we start our school back on September 1st Mm. and we kick off with one of the Harry Potter books and one of those things, which happens to be astronomy this year. Which is why we're probably going to have something space related come out soon. Cool. I see. Cool. So, do the do I'm just selfishly asking about the Harry Potter one. So, the <laughs> units there do they do they correspond well with a, a book? Like, there's not like spoilers if she hasn't read the other book. Not yeah. at all, and it's because of that reason. Because I didn't want maybe a kid who's only read or who's only ready to read books one, two, and three to not be able to to take part in it. Versus somebody who's ready for all seven or, you know, something different. So it's more like you, you read whatever you want to read of the Harry Potter. And then Waldock Wizards and Wands just gives you all of that thematic and mm-hmm. um, kind of makes you feel like you're at Hogwarts like Harry Potter. Like you're taking the classes like him. There's not um, any spoilers. The only thing in it that would be maybe they hadn't read yet is the copy work part of it as inspirational quotes from the Harry Potter books, Mm. but none of those inspirational quotes would give anything away. You know what I mean? Out of context, like it's not like they would read and do the copy work and say, Oh wait, this happens. Cause it it, out of context, you wouldn't really know. Ah, just take my money, Jessica. (laughs) (laughs) So Spoilers. Dumbledore is Voldemort. Uh, and, and Snape is Harry's dad, right? Isn't that how it goes? I'm getting daggers. <laughs> so that that all sounds really great. Um, we've loved having you on. Just as we wrap up, if there's one thing, you know, we've got lots of new homeschoolers this year. Everyone's kind of, you know, it's the summer, and this is the time when lots of folks are thinking, maybe I'm not going to send my kid to kindergarten. Maybe I'm going to homeschool, and this is a time when there's a, folks with a lot of nervousness. If there was one thing that you would want those new folks to take away that, you know, advice you'd want to pass on about homeschooling, uh, you know, before we wrap up, what, what would that be? It would be that if you're thinking about it or you don't feel like you can, or you're kind of like, I'm not sure that you were kind of made for this. I mean, you, you taught them to talk, you taught them to walk, you taught them how to use the, the bathroom ABCs and one, two, threes is just the next logical step. And you were literally made to be their teacher already. So you just keep doing the next thing. And if you're stressed about, you know, not knowing what they're going to need to know, I mean, let's be honest, people who've been to school and have degrees don't know what they need to teach their kids, you know, the students next year, you figure it out as you go. I mean, we live in the a day and age where you have you know, the internet at your fingertips and all these devices sitting around your house, you figure it out as you go, you learn alongside them. That's what I love about homeschooling. And if you do that, if you just kind of take their hand and make it a partnership and you learn with them as they're learning, it will be fun. It will be enjoyable. And you will realize very quickly that you can do this. Good part. That's words. awesome. Yeah, I agree. That's a, that's a copy work to quote. thank you so much jessica for your time we really appreciate it we've loved having you and um, we really look forward to seeing uh, your your new unit studies come out thank you so nice to be here thank you for having me thanks so much for joining us today and making us a part of your homeschool journey 
please engage with us on social media. Join our Homeschool Together podcast group on Facebook and find us at Homeschool Together podcast on Instagram. We'd love to hear your feedback, questions, and recommendations. Until next time. Happy homeschooling!